Welcome to the Electrician Success Podcast. I'm Greg Allen, and this is your daily performance boost. If you're interested in signing up to the Electrician Success Academy, we've got an offer at the moment for anyone that listens to this podcast. Use the coupon code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all in capital letters, to get 10% off a lifetime, 10% off any of the memberships. So thanks again, and let's start this episode now. Hey, Troy, welcome to the Electrician Success Podcast. Really excited to have you on board today. How you doing? Really good. Thanks, Greg. That's good. Yeah, it's good to, good to have a chat with you. Awesome. And can you tell me a little bit about Electric Results? Uh, Electric Results is a company. We've got around 10 people, and we serve service maintenance and asset management along with energy management. Yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah, really help customers save energy and, and track their assets. That's our main core business. Awesome. And today what we're going to be talking about is reversing your P&L to make sure financially you achieve what you've set as your goal. So Correct. really, really pumped to talk about that. But before we get into that, I'd just like to know a little bit more about Electric Results and where you started and some of your challenges maybe that you've faced um, as you've grown your business. When did you start? Started uh, about 10 years ago. It was just myself and, and one other tech. Yep. And uh, we, we started in... Uh, in and around construction, really, providing um, tendered works to builders and, and so on and so forth. Yep. Um, about five years ago, we saw that, uh, that that was coming up a bit and there was lots of competition and uh, we'd sort of seen impending race to the bottom. So uh, we had a bit of a chat internally and did a, did a few plans and financial models and, and looked at the service part of our business and we decided to grow that. Um, uh, we grew it to a point where it covered our overheads, um, so that created the sustainable business model. Yeah. Um, and then once we'd done that, which was recurring revenue every month, which was stable and, and created stability in our business, um, anything over and above that was, was a bonus. Um, and that took the pressure off. It took a, a whole range of uh, a whole range of things went on with that, and it, it made people a little bit more creative because we knew we had our overheads covered and everybody was getting paid, and, and it was regular income. So yeah. that was that was really good. I really like that way of thinking. Like <clears throat> cover your like overheads, and then everything else is a bonus. That that definitely yeah. makes it easier for you as a business owner versus mm. always not making your benchmark or whatever. If you keep yeah. pushing that bar yeah, up. That's right. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, reverse engineering your PL. I'm excited to learn about this and from you and your point of view on this. So can you tell us what it actually is? What is reverse engineering your PL? So reverse PL is basically starting with the end in mind. Um, so it, unless you rock up in life working and knowing what you want, uh, it's a bit hard to achieve it. Mm. So, that, and, and the hardest thing in any business or even in life is, is to work out what the hell you want. Yeah. Um, so that's the first bit. Yeah. Um, once you've worked out what you want, um, and a lot of, I, I suppose a lot of confusion, and, and I had this when you get told to write a business plan by, it might be a finance company, it might be a mentor, it might be a uh, business advisor, uh, what is your business plan? And if you Google business plan, that's big, messy, uh, yeah. non-descriptive, difficult, too hard. something that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> too hard is the perfect way to describe that. Yeah. Um, so 
basically it because it talks about a whole lot of non things that aren't tangible. Um, when if we really break it down to what it is we want out of business, uh, everybody says more time, more money. So if we start with that in mind, the time is probably slightly more hard to quantify than money. So we start with money. Um, if you look at what if you were coming from an employed position into starting your own business, what do you want to earn? What did you earn? Um, and for the imposition of risk and uh, lack of time with your family and so on, that's the penalty you pay for running your own business. Uh, you need obviously be earning more than if you were working for somebody. Yeah. So come up with a figure. That, that's that's the, the best bit. Base it on what you used to earn um, and add a bit in for the risk that you run and, and the extra work that you have to put in uh, and come up with a figure. Once you've got that figure, we can reverse engineer it from there. But the figure's the goal. Yeah, and the time aspect, I guess that's earning enough to pay someone to do the jobs which are consuming your time as a business owner, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. And that that there comes into the overhead part yep. of, of the reverse engineered P&L. Yeah, when was the first time that you reverse engineered your P&L and what sort of difference did that make for you? Uh, probably about five years ago. I mean, look, we were we, we started out, as I said, in, in construction and, and the profits were there. And, and while the profits are there, um, it's sort of something that goes under the carpet. You're making money and, and that's the way it is and that's how we started. But when things start coming off the boil and, and good times are easy to deal with, but when the not-so-good times hit, um, that's when you really start looking inwardly and, and seeing how you can do things. And the, the term diamonds come from pressure uh, is a is a perfect term yeah. because the best businesses come out of the hardest times. Yeah. Uh, they never come out of the good times. So um, that's when we started looking at it and we said, well, what are, what, what are we here to achieve? What do we want to achieve? And in the end, it's money because money gives you options. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So you, you were faced with a real challenge and then you decided to do something about it rather than sit back and just let the economy or whatever the situation was mm. roll you over and put you out of business. Yeah, we were at um, we were at 20 people. Uh, so we had 20 people in the company over three departments. So we had uh, energy, we had service, we had uh, projects. Yep. And um, each, each of those had a manager and there was layers of overheads and so on and so forth. Yep. And they were all um, uh, charged with delivering a target. But when you have a... a an economy that goes off the boil uh, when it's in good times that's all great but mm. when it goes off the boil you really got to look internally we had to make some pretty hard decisions and uh, and really cut that orange up uh, the best way yeah so um, we reverse engineered our PL. we said right well to make this company worthwhile and to make it worthwhile for the shareholders which which is me and my wife um, we need to make sure that it drops out enough profit to make it worthwhile and then we decided, well, what is enough profit? I have to be paid and the business has to have retained earnings or money put back into the business to grow. Yeah. Uh, and what is the figure? And, and, and we came up with a figure. Cool. And that's where it all started. Awesome. And do you still have those three departments? No. What's your no. current structure? Uh, so the current structure is all one department um, and that department does do lots of different things, but we just don't cut it up in that way. So yeah. um, we have... Um, uh, managers that are uh, charged with delivering um, the work yep. and delivering the invoicing and we've also got somebody in charge of delivering the sales so we need to bring the sales in we need to get the work done and get the invoices out so uh, but it's all under one one department now yeah and why is that why have you brought it into one department uh, well 
we had to reduce our overhead. Yep. So we're now we were at 25 years ago. We're now at nine or ten, um, depending on what work we've gone on at the moment. But um, yeah, that that's just basically streamlined our overheads, made us a more efficient business, and so on. And the only way that we could understand how to make that happen is to reverse engineer our P and L, so which is where this process started. What's, what did your life look like at 20 staff, and what does it look like now at nine after reverse engineering your P and L? Uh, the hours haven't changed a lot, <laughs> but um, but the I mean, when, while we were at twenty, we were making money. Um, we're still making money, yeah. but we're just doing it uh, a different way with different people, and and we've responded to market pressure. So, uh, my life is yeah, as a business owner, you, you do work silly hours, and uh, until you can really um, work solidly on only on the business yeah. and not in the business, you uh, you don't have the luxury of, of Less hours. Yeah. Um, it, it is one of those things, but it's it's a one of the things that's on my goals is to replace myself in every facet of the of the business. Yeah. So to put uh, in every task that I have to do that's an in the business task, uh, there's a strategy to replace myself with that task, either roll it into a role that we've already got, or be a, once the revenue grows to a certain level, then we say okay, uh, to support that revenue, we need to. Um, Put in another role or whatever that might be to cover those tasks. Yeah, but it's all bud- it's all budgeted for, and and the EBIT figure at the bottom of the PNL is what drives that. Okay, cool, awesome. All right, well, let's get into. I just wanted to cr- create some sort of a, a background of what people can expect when they when they do reverse engineer their PNL with that. Mm. So, let's get into the into the actual mm. nitty gritty of the reverse PNL. Um, we've talked mm-hmm. a lot, and what I find really cool is that so many people we've talked to are so focused <coughs> on excuse me, so focused on goal setting and like mm. planning, and that how important that is for their business to succeed. So we've talked mm. about all different types of planning and strategic planning, um, and today we're going to talk about financial planning, which is exciting. So let's mm. get into the specifics. And I was talking to Troy about. How are we going to make this visually understandable so, uh, so that people who are listening in and not watching can understand what we're talking about when we're talking about dollars and all sorts of stuff. So st- stick with us, guys. If you need to listen to it a couple of times, do that because this is really important. So let's get into it. And I'm going to try and come up with as many analogies as we can. It's the analogy game. Um, and we're going to try and do that as we come along to, to try and put it into an, an understandable language for you. All right, let's go. Step one. The analogy game. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's play that. Um, yeah, that, that's all good. So step one. What do you want to achieve? That's that. That's step one. Um, let's make it as simple as possible, but not simpler. Somebody famous said that once, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> let's work with round figures. So look, basically reverse engineering your PNO, as we said, is starting with the end in mind. Um, and without that in mind, um, you might as well not bother. You, you, mm. you seriously might as well not bother. Um, for the first five years of this business, business was great. There was work flowing everywhere, and, and we didn't care. We'd uh, send the accounts to the account at the end of the year. We made money. Everybody was happy. Uh, but having said that, we, we really didn't know where we were day to day. Now we do. Yeah. Now we do. Every week we have a, a discussion, and we know where our profit and loss sits, um, uh, usually in profit, which is a good thing. Um, but we know where our profit sits yep. and we can compare that to where we thought it would. Um, so 
we're not forever on the treadmill anymore, uh, wondering what's going to pop out at the end of the year. We've got something to aim for, um, which gives us something to track against and to see how we're going. So if we're driving from, I'm in Adelaide, so we'll start with that, driving from Adelaide to Melbourne, it's helpful if we know that we're going to go to Melbourne. Mm. Otherwise, you get in the car, you don't know where to go. Uh, you could be driving around the Adelaide Hills for six hours and not getting anywhere. Yeah. Whereas if you go in the right direction, six hours, you're in Ballarat or wherever it may be. Yeah. So um, that's probably the biggest benefit. And if, if we can wrap our heads around that, that's makes the biggest difference because you know where you're heading for. Yeah, so for instance, um, with that with that travelling uh, example, you're, if you don't have an idea of where you're going, like Melbourne, you'll drive around mm-hmm. in Adelaide for ages, you'd spend money on fuel, you'd spend time driving around, and you'd actually not... You're still driving around, you're still coming to work mm-hmm. every day, and you're still doing your electrical work, So, yep. but you're not actually going anywhere, and not going towards what you thought you'd be achieving at, you know, by the end of it, so... You're making all the right actions, but just not in the right direction. Yeah, so I guess what people will need to do is just, do you recommend that they think about what their life looks like, you know, in a um, year look, or five years or visually? We, with all of our guys, we do goal setting. Um, so we have a, uh, a goal setting sheet that uh, has a line down the middle and it's split into the left-hand side is within work and the right-hand side is outside of work. Um, then we have 12 months, two years, and five years down the side. So um, the goals outside of work are uh, what you personally want to achieve. It might be buying a house, might be buying a car, having kids, going on a holiday, whatever it might be. Um, that's the bit that um, is the emotion. You, If you attach an emotion to something, uh, you always tend to remember it. So yeah. in business, people don't remember what you did for them necessarily, but they may, they remember how you made them feel. So if you made them feel uh, wanted and, and valued as a customer, they tend to come back, whereas if you they just remember that you did this lighting installation for them, that fades over time. So if you're wrapping a, a, an emotion around something, you tend to remember yeah. it. So the outside of work creates the emotion. The inside of work creates the impetus to achieve the outside of work. So if we can achieve a certain amount of dollars inside of work, then that can pay for the goals outside of work. Yes. So that's the way that we do it and, and the way that we link the personal to the business. So for me, that's my personal stuff and, and my business goals linked together. Um, so as a family, we have a whole range of things we want to achieve in life and the business supports that. For our employees, their, their job and their career path supports their outside of work yeah. goals. So yeah. that's the link between inside of work, outside of work and the emotion behind it that keeps you engaged yeah. and keeps you on track. Yeah, so like putting that into perspective, it's almost like um, you've got to set your goals for what you personally want because you don't work just for the sake of working. You work Correct. because you want to buy a house and have a house for your family or you know have more time with your family. So all those things... Yeah. Uh, are what drives how you set your goals within the business, right? Yeah, cool. yeah, that's exactly awesome. right. Yeah, because it's the means to achieve what you want to achieve in your personal life. Yeah, cool. All right. So, 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 well, the personal life is key to it because it creates that impetus and creates a drive. It's the dollar figure that you need to achieve to achieve your personal goals. So we start with a dollar figure. Yeah, cool. All right. So, 
for this for this example, because I like simple numbers and dividing by ten is easy. We'll start with a hundred grand. Yes, cool. <laughs> so uh, if your EBIT was a uh, hundred grand, uh, EBIT is defined as earnings before interest and tax. So it's the net profit that drops right out of the bottom of the business. Yeah, it's the bottom line. Sure. So if that was a hundred thousand dollars and you wanted to earn a hundred thousand dollars, there'd be nothing left in the business. So. If you've got $100,000 that you want to take from the business, then we've got to take into consideration, we want to leave something in there. So if I set a factor of 50%, our new EBIT or the goal is 150,000. Yep, so you're left with 50 now, after you take 100 away. Correct, that's right. Yep. Always keep in mind that we have to pay tax on that 150, but that's probably a separate conversation. That's that's dealt with with the accountant. There's ways of minimising tax, and that's not the not the task of this conversation, but... Yep. Um, yeah, if we said we want to achieve 150, that's the goal. Okay. So basically, it is it is a reverse engineering exercise now, and 150 goes at the bottom. So if 150,000 dollars is what we want to achieve, we've obviously got costs that we have to pay for. So we've got licences, we've got insurance. You may have a, an office or a home office that has rent. Uh, you may have electricity, phone, vehicles, rego, fuel, all of those sorts of things that uh, that you can't. Uh, pass on to the customer. So that's probably the line that I draw. It's it's something that is not used to turn the income. So you don't actually use 17 cents of electricity to put in somebody's lights. Yeah. It's an overhead. Yeah, it's an overhead. So, so you don't earn those, money. It's not a, a cost associating to a job. Cost of sale. Yeah, it's separate from a job. That's right. It's, yeah, it's not a cost of sale. That's right. So, so if you understand your overheads, and and again, for simple terms, and this probably won't fit everybody's business because everybody's overheads are completely different. But uh, I've used a figure of a hundred thousand dollars. So, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is the EBIT or the goal. Um, one hundred thousand dollars is the overheads. So the next line that we need to work on is what is the gross profit. So gross profit needs to be set at a value to cover the overheads and deliver the goal. Yep. So the easiest way to get to that is to grab your goal of $150,000, add the overheads to it, which is $100,000, gives you $250,000. So your gross profit needs to be $250,000. So gross profit is then made up of what you sell something for versus uh, less what the cost of delivering that was. Yeah. So trying to work out what the gross profit is is a, is a bit of a decision that requires some experience in the market um, as to what the market will bear. So again, that's going to be different for everybody's industry. Mm. It's going to be different for residential housing. It's going to be different for residential service work, commercial maintenance, commercial projects, industrial. It's going to be very, very different. Depends on the size of the project, for example. So the gross profit on a million dollar project is going to be very different to the gross profit on a two hundred dollar PowerPoint install. Yeah. Um, so it depends on your business model, and you sort of need to have a bit of a stab at that uh, initially. And then, if you win the jobs at that, great. That's that's your mark. Uh, try and increase it if you can. Uh, if you aren't winning jobs, then you, you look at revising that. Yeah. But for again simple maths, let's use fifty percent or 0.5. Yeah. Um, so if we've got a gross profit of $250,000, basically divide that by 0.5 and you get 500,000. So yep. the key numbers there are to achieve $150,000 
out of the business, you need to turn over $500,000 yep. or invoice $500,000 at a gross profit of 50%. Yeah. Or gross margin of 50%. Yeah. So they're the key numbers. So just so everyone knows, this is just an example. Uh, don't don't treat these numbers as in like when I earn a five hundred thousand, I'm going to earn one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, correct. This is just That's an exactly example. Right. You have to work it out for yourself using your P and L yeah. in any of your financial software. Mm. What financial software do you use? I use Zero. Yeah. Um, I can't beat it. Yeah, I can't beat it. It is either. probably the most amazing piece of software I've come across. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I was using. Uh, another software package and it was stuck on a computer in our office which was not in my office yep. uh, to run a report out of it was cumbersome uh, I couldn't get timely reports it was taking our um, admin officer a day to generate all the reports that were required for a weekly meeting it was so inefficient oh, yeah. it was rubbish yep. um, now it takes about an hour to get all the reports ready um, it's it's just easy, and I can see it at a high level, very very simply yep. from anywhere in the world. Yes. So going on conferences around the world and uh, and so on, you can, you can pay people. You can you you can run your business from wherever you are off your iPhone, pretty much. Yeah. Um, to get the bulk of things done. Cool. It's great. All right. So using using that, we're in, in the P and L statement report, um, and then we're able to see our revenue, which is five hundred thousand. And then $250,000 is going towards your running costs. And then you're left with 200,000, uh, $250,000 with 100000 in overheads. Is that correct? And with a left yeah, over. Yeah, that's, that's the example, yeah. 150 left over. Mm. Cool. All right. So have we covered off that point? That's the number one? Oh, sorry, number two? Yeah, pretty much. Number two? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, if you can get that right, um, I mean, as we said, someone asked you to create a business plan. This is a major part of it. Yeah. Um, the next part is how do you, uh, where does that $500,000 worth of work come from? But Hold on, um, Let's, that's, just with point number two, um, can we hmm. just talk about how would someone come up with those figures? If, say, if they've just started their, their new business, how do they come up yep. with, like, those figures? Or are they guessing to begin with or should they talk to someone? How, how would you recommend they do that? So if you're already in business, you'll have those figures. So that's something you can pull out of your software package. But for somebody who's uh, brand new into business, um, you need to know what your overheads are. That's the first bit. So you need to understand, and this is prior to jumping into business. So you need to do research for that. So you ring insurance companies and find out what public product liability is worth. You need to understand um, what the work cover levy is about if you're employing people uh, or if you're not what does the income protection insurance cost for yourself yep. because you really need to protect your income because without that you don't have anything yep. if something goes wrong. Um, so that's probably two of the biggest. Then you've got, um, you're probably going to be working out of your home um, so you don't have office rent but you will have a van. So you may have van payments, you may have, uh, or you definitely have registration insurance, fuel, so on and so forth and they can be fairly accurately uh, guest yep. uh, prior to starting. You can get quotes from finance companies on what uh, a new van is going to be worth and what the insurance and reg is going to be worth and so on. So that's where to start. Um, that's probably step two. Step one is working out how much you want to earn. Um, and unless you're setting a goal that's bigger than what you're earning working for a boss, you're going to go backwards. 
Yeah. So there's no point in working for less than what you can get employed somewhere else. Yep. So they're the two big, they're the two big ones. Yeah, I find a lot of people will go out on their own and end up working for less when you work out how many hours you're actually working. Divide it yeah, by right. how much your net profit is at the end of the month. Uh, yeah, and you end correct. up on like $14 an hour. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. You it's, it's, it's not great. Yeah. But if you do this calculation first, before you jump, and then you walk into business with your eyes open. Mm-hmm. Um, the world's full of people that um, hand a shoebox of receipts to their account at the end of the year. And your account says you didn't make any money. You go, why? And he says, I don't know. It's your business. Yeah. So that this prevents that yep. because it gets you thinking about, wow, I've got to actually generate $500,000 worth of revenue to pay myself a decent, decent wage. Yep. And keep the cash flow going. If you, if we said you're going to take out a hundred thousand uh, dollars of revenue of EBIT or the goal was only a hundred, and you're not going to leave any in the business, you don't have any cash in the business because there's always a delay. So cash is different to profit. Yeah. The key difference between cash and profit is the timeline, basically. So profit is generated as soon as you invoice and uh, as soon as you receive bills from your suppliers. That's when profit's generated. But cash lags generally behind that. Yep. So you get paid after you've sent the invoice, generally, and then you pay people after you've received their invoice. So cash has a bit of a lag. But if you don't have a, a bit of a buffer there you, and you run out of cash, you can be in strife. Yep. So these are all good exercises to do before jumping into business. So you walk into it knowing things. You walk into it with your eyes open. Yeah, so I guess um, if you're working as an employee at the moment and thinking about this, uh, you've got yeah. to look at, you get paid on a weekly basis at the moment. Um, every week mm. on the day, you get paid every single week. But if you spend all your money the day after you get paid, <coughs> you got to wait a whole another week before you get another pay packet. With business, you go and do the job and sometimes be waiting up to 60 days before you get paid. Um, mm. You know, or hopefully you're not waiting any longer than that. But um, <laughs> but you know, it does happen. It does happen. Yeah. So mm. you got to be you got to be saving your cash so that you can afford that that difference mm. to get through that's exactly right yeah, yeah. cool mm. all right and so what is the next step for working out so basically the next step is uh once you've done the PL and you know what those figures need to be then the next step is you've got to work out uh where does that revenue come from so you might and a lot of people say this is a good idea, but you, you have to be a little bit uh, careful how you do it because there's legalities around it. But if you were leaving your employer and you wanted to subcontract back, you've got to avoid the whole shams contracting laws, uh, which is a challenge. So a certain part of your revenue may be derived from that, but it can't be all of it. Um, yeah, otherwise you earn wages pretty much still. Exactly, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And um, if you are on wages, um, it, it's not really achieving what I would call the objective. I mean, if you're in business for yourself, you want to be earning more than wages. Yeah. Um, and, and you can. If you understand the profit and loss statement, yep. uh, you can. And I'm not going to say it's easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. But you need to be looking at more than that. Because mm-hmm. if you only work for wages, you're, you're actually uh, falsifying what you think you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Mm. I've got a, and then you, so then you, sorry, sorry. So right before we move on, I've got a good example for you guys out there who are running your own businesses, um, to work out how much you're actually getting paid per hour, just make sure you're logging how many hours you're working every week or every day 
And then at the end of the month, when you when you go to your zero or your financial software and you run your P&L and, and it gives you a net profit at the bottom, then divide that net profit by the number of hours you've worked to give you your hourly rate. And that's consuming Perfect. all of the company's leftover cash as well. So whether you keep it in the company or you pay yourself out of it, that's your hourly rate. Yeah, that's it. Mm. It's important to know because uh, that, again, information empowers you to make decisions. So without the information, you really don't know where, you, where you're going. Um, and if you worked out that you were working 14 hour, uh, for $14 an hour, um, you'd make a decision as to is it worth continuing and how long am I willing to continue doing that for yep. um, for the attainment of a bigger goal at the end of it. So you might be saying, well, let's knuckle down and let's build the business, build the brand, so on and so forth. I'm happy to work for um, a, a smaller amount and work longer hours initially for, say, two to three years. Yep. And then after two to three years, um, the revenue and the gross profit is increased. I've allowed to put somebody else on that can handle some of the tasks that I used to do, and that's how we start to grow. Yeah. So you really have to have that in mind, and and you need clarity around the numbers first to do that. So the next point about it is that's the goal. So that's the I've typed into Google. I'm going to Melbourne, and that's the roadmap. Yeah. Uh, that's how we're going to do it. So the next thing is to plot it on a calendar so we know what we're doing each month. Um, and for example. December and January for us is is slightly quieter than the rest of the year because they're both three-week months. Yep. Uh, we've got annual leave, public holidays, people take time off, and uh, I don't know how some businesses do this, but some businesses shut for the entire of January, so um, you've got that to, to consider. So then you've got a plot. Uh, if they're lower months, you've got a plot. The other months are higher so that the average is still the same. Mm. So at the end of the year, we've achieved our 150 uh, in net profit, um, but all months are not necessarily the same. So we look at that. Um, that puts the, the the calendar, and I usually do that bit in Excel, and we report on that at the end of every month to see how we've gone against that line. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the next bit, which is reporting. So um, if you don't know how you're going, um, then it's a little bit hard to, to work out how far from your goal you are or whether you've dipped in a given month or whether you uh, need to change tact or, or whatever. So to to take the, let's take the Adelaide to Perth route. Um, if I'm driving from Adelaide to Perth and that was the goal um, and I should be to the border by, if I started in January, I should be in, at the border by June, uh, but I'm not at the border by June, then we've got to adjust something. Yeah. So we've either run out of fuel or we've taken the wrong road or we've headed to Darwin instead or maybe even Melbourne. Yep. Um, so the, the importance of tracking as you go. Now, you have to track every day, but you really have to know uh, at least weekly roughly how you're going and monthly those figures have to be cemented. Yeah. So you know exactly what happened in that month. Because yep. if uh, towards the end of the month you say, well, how are we going here? Are we going to hit it or are we going to hit it? Um, and if the answer is no, then you could, you've got time to make adjustments. You've got time to go and find uh, some more work or put people on holidays that uh, that you you might might have a lot of holidays banked up. So look, I really need to take you a couple of days off here, yep. um, so that you can protect the cash in the business, pretty much, yeah. um, and and the profit and loss. So the, the reporting side of it is so important. Zero is awesome at it. Yeah. 
providing you into, I mean, we say rubbish in, rubbish out, providing you into good information in and it's timely and it's it's not, you're not waiting to the end of the month to enter the whole month's worth. Yeah. Then that allows you to track t very timely um, how you're going against that target. Yeah, I think that monthly, that monthly check, like you cannot miss that because you're going to have payments mm. like bills coming out, you know, you might have 50% of your bills coming out at the, you know, the last week of the month. So you got, yeah. you could look at the first three weeks and go, oh, we're killing it. And then last week, boom, you get slammed with all yeah, these that's it. bills. Yeah. So you've got to be aware of that. But like when you look at it on a monthly mm. basis, your P&L should be your mm. personal coach. It's, it's yeah, your correct. motivator. You look yeah. at it and go, what the, what's happened here? All right, yeah. and you look at it and you go, all right, we've got to cut costs or we've got to make more money. Mm. That's they're yeah, the two yeah, they're right. two things that you got to be motivated to do. That's the they're the only levers you've got to pull. Yeah. You either increase your revenue or you reduce your costs. So uh, they're the only two levers you've got. But uh, I mean, we use as far as reporting goes, we use a couple of different software packages. So Zero for accounting. Yep. That handles all of our accounting, all of our financial reporting. Then we run a job management package which handles all of our job related stuff. So that handles uh, that's that's Simpro. Yep. Um, so that handles the reporting that we get out of that is a WIP report or work in progress report. So that tells us how much work we've got on at the moment, currently in progress. Yeah. Uh, tells us what the costs to date are and what we've invoiced so far. So at the end of it, I mean, our goal is to keep that WIP report into positive, which means we've actually invoiced for the costs of doing all of those jobs. Yeah. At, by the end of the month, it has to be positive because if we're not, and like you said, if you if you don't do that monthly reporting, it's not critical. You may miss the end of the month, and you invoiced on the first of the next month. Now, if clients are paying you at thirty days from the end of the month, yeah. you've just added thirty days yep. to the time it takes to get your money. Yep. So it's it's really important that you're on top of it. It's really important that you're in control. You you know knowledge is power. That you know where you're tracking. That you've got all those um, invoices entered uh, for for all the costs of doing the job. Yep. You've got our, the invoicing done, um, yeah. but yeah, the, the profit and loss report out of Zero and the WIP report out of, out of Simpro are just—I couldn't run my business without yep. those two reports. I'd like to also add to like the flip side of what you just said is if you don't, if you get your invoice in on the first and they pay you 30 days from the end of the month, you've just added 30 days. But guys, you can Correct. go to your wholesaler, make sure you buy all your materials on the first because instead of the 30th. Because if you go and stock up your van on the 30th, you pay it in 30 days. But if you pay it on the 1st, you can pay it in 60 days. It's an easy way Correct. to get your cash management, you know, get an extra 30 days on your materials if you've got that. Yeah, that's it. And cash management is so important. Uh, I mean, the general rule of thumb is um, get your money in as quick as possible and let your money leave as slow as possible. Yeah. Um, that... that, that uh, uh, is probably the utopian model. Yep. Uh, it doesn't always happen, but uh, that's that's what we, we like to aim for. Yeah, they'll give you a nice so cushion if you can do that. Yeah, uh, and we take credit card payments. So as soon as we finish the job, Zap, we've got the money within three days through the credit card transaction. Uh, and we're paying on 30 days from the end of the month for the materials. Yep. So the other permutations of that, you're paying wages every week. Mm. So the, the quicker you can get the money in there, the, the better. Yeah. But yeah, if you if you have your goal and your structured P and L reverse engineered, so you know what you have to hit, then your sales targets and your gross profit targets come out of that. Then all of your tracking comes in, 
and then you can put it into people like yourself, Greg, because I'm not a marketer. Um, <laughs> you're much better at that than I am, but you, that's that's why I have people in sales and I don't do it myself. But um, you put that into those guys and say, oh, here's the sales targets, and you've you've now employed somebody that knows what you expect from them. Yeah. Because if you don't, if they don't know what you expect from them, and they don't know that you're going to be managing them against that, again, you're want to be in Melbourne and you might end up in Darwin. So Yeah, they would come to work yeah. every day, be busy every day, but get yeah. no results. And achieving nothing. And you've got, no, yeah, you've that's got right. nothing to base it against. Correct. And life is all about results. Yeah. Cool. Do you have an ethos on uh, measurement, on measuring things? Uh, what, what do you mean? So, what do you mean by so, that? So uh, I, I know from uh, before conversations with you, like talking about Test and measuring, like you're, you're big on that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you can't measure it, you, you can't manage it. Yeah. So if you don't know what it is, you, you, you cannot manage it. It's impossible. Yeah. So it's like going through the whole year and um, handing that shoebox of receipts to your accountant. You've worked really, really hard all year and, and nobody can knock how hard you've worked, but you've not achieved a lot. Yeah. Because you really don't know where you are. Yeah. It's just, it, it is so important measuring it. Yeah. How would you feel if you worked 12 months? worked 16 hours a day all year and you got to the end of the year and you've got a couple of people on and you've, you went through the whole year with cash in the bank and then you get to the end of the year and you've got, hey, you've, you've earned $6,000. Well done. It's terrible. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I've done it too. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. But knowing yeah. is so much better. If you knew that's what you were heading for, and that helps to give you perspective because before you actually get there, you know that that's going to happen yeah. and you can make a decision and say, well, this is going to happen because I'm putting money into the business to, I don't know, buy a new piece of test equipment, buy a new van, buy a new whatever. So that's called retained earnings. So you put it back into your business yep. to grow. Yep. So providing you might have only earned $6,000. You've been paid. The business has only earned $6,000 and that's the key wages that you draw for yourself have to be covered all the time mm. the business profit on top of that needs to needs to be solid so you can return that business profit back into the business to grow and providing you've made a decision to do that you know that the plan says that's what's going to happen and you achieve that plan because the goal says in two years we're going to be able to do this amount of work or this type of work that's different and that's going to create our point of difference in the market mm. then you can be okay with that yeah but if you don't know, and it's a shock, no one likes no, yeah. nasty surprises. Yeah, it's not good. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, that's good. So, next point. Uh, well, basically, it's it's let's make it happen now. Yeah. Uh, that's the planning side of Action. it. So, the planning side is yeah, the, the planning side is so important it's ridiculous. Um, so, to be successful, there's two components: it's education and action. So education without action is pointless and action without education is aimless. So mm. we have to put the plan and the actual plan and the contents of the plan is less important than the activity of planning. So if you can sit down and work through that, what that does is it gives you knowledge in your business and it gives you, you can go into your business and okay, before you're actually in business and before you jump, it's a little bit harder to do that. But once you're in business, you can go into your books, you can go into last year's financials, you can have a bit of a look around and say, right, what did we do this year? What did the overheads look like? Why were they there? Yeah. Um, what were the cost of sales? Could we buy better? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. 
that all goes into your plan and you get so much more out of the act of planning than you do out of the plan itself mm. but the plan gives you the basis yeah so then you create that plan and you put it into action so the actions to come out of a plan are well where am i going to get this revenue from so what services do i offer to the market it might be i go into people's ha- people's homes and I put in PowerPoints. It might be I install solar onto people's homes. It might be I speak to commercial premises and I make sure they're safe and make sure everything's maintained and and so on and so forth. It might be I work for a builder and I knock out houses and I do the best job that he's seen and I do everything that he he needs and that's my commercial advantage. But work out what you've got to offer to the market. Um, because you're, you're only successful by providing useful service to people. Yeah. And you've got to be able to explain that your way of doing that is better than the, the rest of the competition. Yeah. So that's how do we drive it. And then, then you drive the numbers. You drive the sales. You look after your customers. Cool. You um, attract your customers and you, you make them feel like they are the best thing in the world. Mm. It's so much easier to keep a, an existing customer than it is to get a new one. Yep. And do you follow any... Um... Do you follow the smart planning for your financials as well? Is... We do because it's. Uh, I mean, I will. I'll pick up on the the M and the T in smart. Yep. Um, you've got to be able to measure it, and it's got to be time based. Yep. Uh, and it's great to have dreams, uh, and dreams are awesome, and that's uh, that's where everything starts. And the way to turn a dream into a goal is to wrap a time frame around it. That's that's the only difference really. Yeah. But you've got to be able to measure it, and you have to make it time based. Yep. And if you don't hit it, that's fine. Um, my BDM today just said we're aiming for the stars and we land in the clouds and that's fine yeah and I thought that was a great analogy seeing as we're talking analogies but um, yeah if you aim for something you'll be so much further down the track of achieving it than if you didn't aim for it yep yeah that's where that whole 10x the 10x rule is a book Grant Cardone Mm. I recommend you get the audio book because he reads it and he pretty much rips India about it but um, <laughs> it's about setting your goals yeah. 10 times what you think mm. you should because that makes you think about how do I break this down to achieve 10 times what I was originally going to plan so if you have already done your goals start thinking yeah. well how do I do 10 times that and then yeah. break that down from there and what do you have to do because if you end up five times bigger you know you don't make 10 times but you're five mm. times higher than you were then that's awesome yeah. Yeah, yeah. We work on a model called WIRED, which is spelled W-H-I. So W stands for what, and that's that's the planning. That's the what 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 do I want to achieve? Um, that's that's the goal. That's the 150 at the bottom of the reverse engineered PL. Yeah. Uh, the the H stands for how, and you've just touched on that. We'll work that out after we've worked out the what, because you set that goal and you think, okay, well I, I'm not going to be able to achieve it, and that limits you setting big goals. Mm-hmm. So if you take that how away from it when you're looking at what these goals need to be, then you set them and you shoot for the stars and away you go. Yep. Then you work out the how. And the how's the processing behind it. That might be how do I market to attract that amount of customers? How do I, uh, how do I fund that? Uh, I've got, I don't know, $2,000 in the bank and I want to do a $100,000 job. I'm going to need 10 guys. Um, how do I fund that? Yeah. Um, those sorts of things and, and there's lots of answers through funding through wholesalers through there's many different answers for that yeah we won't go into that here and then the eyes the implementation that's where the rub hits the road yeah so once you've worked out what you want which is the hardest bit once you've worked out what you want then you work out how you're going to do it 
and then bang, you're into it. Yeah, cool. You're into it. And uh, recommend just doing this more frequently than once a year? Yeah, we, we review this quarterly. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we track every week. We go, are we going to hit it? Are we going to yeah. hit it? Are we going to hit it? And depending on what the answers are, we make adjustments. So we either throttle back on, on expenses or we uh, don't buy that new piece of equipment until next month. Yeah. Um, or we go, right, I'm going to ring 10 clients and we try and increase the revenue. Yeah. And then at the end of the month, so on the, the 10th of every month, we close off the previous month. That's the day we go, did we hit it? Okay, yeah, we did hit it. All right. So then at that at the end of the quarter, we say, right, well, was that a good quarter or a bad quarter? Did we do what we said we were going to do? Yeah. Did we achieve what we wanted to achieve? And then you can make decisions, well, uh, wow, this is actually a sustained upturn, not a just a spike in a month, mm. or it's a sustained downturn, not just a dip in a month. Yeah. Uh, and then For that instance, gives you... December and January, you're saying, which would have a big impact on it. Correct. Yeah. Now, we didn't know that December and January was traditionally slow until we tracked it. Yeah. Yeah, so you're and just like, December what happened? And January, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why didn't we do that? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, then there was a pattern there and we said, okay, well, in our market, December and January, a lot of businesses close that we deal that we do work with. Yep. They close early and they open late. Okay, so now we need to allow for that. So then we pad up November and February mm. and we make sure that November and February is uh, high enough to cover the downturn in December and January. So again, it's all about the figures. It's all about reporting. It's all about knowledge and knowing the metrics of your business and the heartbeat, I suppose, of, you, of your own business and that tells you and lets you make decisions. Mm. Yeah, February, fucking February, that's what I call it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> December and January, and then cash mm. flow issues February. Oh my God, mm. every year. Yeah, it happens, it happens. <laughs> but, but if you don't plan for it, yeah. if you plan for it, then you save the cash, then it works. you got the cash there. That's right, yep. yeah. yeah, you sandbag it and put it away. Yep. And then you know in February, well, we're gonna have a hit there, but we've got the money there, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Mm, it's all about the cash. Awesome. And um, all right, so with this process, thanks for sharing that because that was awesome. Like we covered all the way through from planning cool. through to implementation. So with that process, where where would you say people will go wrong? What are the things that they're going to do that's going to cause issues? Uh, well, there, there's a, a lot of places where you can fall off the rails and, and you do and you will and it's just the nature of the beast. Um, but not recognising it is the big thing. Um, if you don't measure it and if you don't track it, you won't recognise it. And if you don't recognise it until too late, that's where businesses come undone. Yeah. So once you recognise it, you can make those adjustments. You can ring those extra 10 clients. You can put guys on holidays. You can, yeah. I don't know, say, well, we, we need to lay one person off maybe. I mean, that's the worst thing that you could ever possibly do because you, you don't just um, lose somebody out of a business you lose a person mm. who's got a family yeah um and the impacts on them are terrible yeah uh you lose all of the training that you've given them and the training's not just technical uh it's cultural so you yeah. lose somebody that might be a really good cultural fit so it's the last thing you want to do but in the end you do have to make decisions based on the business um and asset actually have rules around that you must uh, not be insolvent you must not uh, be a business that can't pay your bills on time and so on and so forth. So they're the hard and fast rules that you've got to comply with under the Corporations Act. Yep. But yeah, it, it's a decision that needs to be made that nobody wants to make. Yeah. But in the end, if you know early, then you can make those decisions and you can make the impact of them less and 
you can make those 10 phone calls, which might solve the problem anyway. Yeah. And then you don't have to have those nasty, nasty conversations. So. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, mm. keeping up to date, measuring constantly. Um, I'd lo- like to just, oh, and I'd like to just come back to where we're talking about hourly rate because we do have, you do see those ads where people are going out and putting in new LED downloads yeah. for $25 each and yep. they buy in the light for $15 and $10 labor per light. Um, mm. And at the end of the job, they go, cool, I made, you know, 1500 bucks. Yeah, that's what I would have made mm. for, the, for the month. Uh, so, sorry, for the week working yeah. at my other company, not realizing you've yeah. got all of your expenses to pay as well. Yeah. And how many hours you've actually those, worked to make to get yeah, there. Those people have not reverse engineered their p Absolutely haven't. <laughs> no, they haven't. I know that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if they had, they wouldn't be making deals like that. Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, look, maybe people are happy working for $14 an hour, but uh, I don't know many people that are. Yeah, I'd say it'd be less than that for those jobs. <laughs> More than likely, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the other thing that you can do and when you start employing people. Number one, if you're employing yourself, you've, you've really got to uh, be a bit hard on uh, um, getting those hours and, and dividing them, uh, dividing your EBIT among those hours to find out what your hourly rate is because it's a bit of a reality check. Yeah. And it gives you a... Um, it does does give you a bit of a shock, and doing this will do one of two two things. Um, it will either scare people away from business, which is fine, or it will give them the education and the, and the background knowledge to actually have a really good crack at it and create a sustainable business for themselves. Yeah, which lifts the market as well. Yeah, because people that charge fifteen dollars a download or whatever it is, they're not going to be here for long, and the impact on that is if something goes wrong. For example, the, the solar industry went through this. Something goes wrong with an inverter and we constantly get phone calls from people saying, can you replace my inverter? Uh, I know it's got a five-year warranty, but the company that installed it's broke um, and the company that made it's broke as well. So that's the impact yeah. on the industry and on the industry's customers Yeah. Uh, if people don't manage their businesses properly. Yeah, and they'll so, blanket that and say electricians are, you know. That's right. Yeah. Electricians spend four years uh, learning how to be an electrician, but unfortunately, the um, the legislation's not such that we have to spend a proportionate amount of time learning how to run a business. Yeah, uh, and that's a I, I think that's a failure. Um, but we can sit and whinge about that, or we can do something about it. And what you're doing with these forums is is awesome because it takes the lead of doing something about educating people in what it is to do business. Yeah, business is a big thing. There's lots of things that you've got to know, lots of calculations, lots of maths and, and so on and some of them are very simple but if you don't know about them the, yeah the results are catastrophic yeah for everybody and it'll hit you when you're least expecting it and yeah yeah proper planning will prevent that from happening so correct yeah cool poor performance yeah <laughs> yes poor performance that's exactly right All the four p's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it that's exactly right yeah. um yeah so um business business can be great and I've achieved a lot of things in business that I couldn't have achieved with working for a boss. So the benefits of business are great, but um, without the cash behind it and without the profit behind it, it all falls over. So you can't achieve those things. Supporting charities is one of them. Um, yeah. Not only just with money, but with time. Yeah. Um, that can give you the time to, to, to give back. Um, and all sorts of uh, other things that you can do as a business person. Yeah. But yeah, to, to, to get your house in order and to get that profit uh, on the bottom line 
leads to all of those things and that's the bit on the right hand side of the goal sheet that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, and what are some of the things that you're able to do now that you're in business that you weren't able to do working for someone? How's, uh, how's well, life different? How's life different? Well, we can actually be involved with other business people to achieve really, really good things for, for uh, things like charities. Yep. Um, so giving time to charitable organisations and working with other businesses and creating relationships with them, which sort of feeds back into our business. And it's a, it's a bit of a, uh, I won't call it a vicious circle, but a, a really good positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and in the end, the benefits are a charity uh, that supports people that uh, have had shit luck in life, really, mm. um, and through no fault of their own um, and need that support. So uh, I couldn't do that unless I was a business owner yeah. to, to put back into the industry yeah. and to do these sorts of things. Um, uh, I get a kick out of out of sort of helping people with this because business can be great, mm. but if you don't, if you, it's like anything. I mean, if you didn't know anything about elect- electricity and you tried to change your own light globe, but the things can be uh, the results can be catastrophic. Yeah, it's the same in business. So there's a whole a whole range of um, not only financial but personal impacts that people have. Um, if their businesses don't go right, it impacts on families and so on and so forth. So to be able to give back and I suppose open people's eyes. Um, I was a part of the mentorship program for a foreign small business um, and I had that conversation with the guys straight off and I said, I'll either turn you away or I'll uh, make you have a decent cracker or walk in with your eyes open. So <laughs> two walked uh, oh, yeah. at one stage, oh. uh, which, which is fine, which is fine because at least their eyes were open. They didn't walk into it and create an absolute disaster for themselves yeah. and for whoever was dealing with them, their clients and the, the people that they may have owed money to. So yeah, yeah that was good. Cool. And just to summarize what we've talked about today, just to, just to skim through it again, just to recap. Yeah, so at a high level, work out the what and right at the base level, work out what that financial what has to be. Yeah to make it worth it for you. Work out what the what is. Mm-hmm. Reverse engineer the P&L, know your overheads. Work out what you have to turn over at what gross profit to make that whole deal work. Plan it, track it, and go for it. Yeah, cool. That's it in a nutshell. Awesome. No worries. Well, thanks for your time today, Troy. I think that that's like people need to know this. Like it's so important yeah. that yeah. you know this financial planning stage of your business and that you do measure it all the time. Like, it's not just a once a year thing, it's all the time, yeah. it has to be all the time. So uh, Yeah, it's constant, that's right. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your method because that's, yeah, I totally agree with that and that's that's the way we do it as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's awesome that you're able to spend some time and, and share that with the industry, so thank you. Yeah, oh, great to be involved, Greg, thanks a lot. And here's hoping um, businesses can become successful if they, uh, if they listen to this and we can help a few people, eh? Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, cool. Appreciate awesome. your time. Have a good one. Thanks, Greg. See you, Troy. Take care. Bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Just a reminder, use the promo code P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast, all in capital letters, at checkout at the Electrician Success Academy to get a lifetime 10% off for being one of our awesome listeners here at the Electrician Success Podcast. Anyway, have a fantastic day. I hope you're crushing it out there and I'll see you in the next episode.